This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. And I promise you today, you're going to be so encouraged by this message. You're going to be so encouraged. Get ready to take notes. He's got so much to pour into us today. So would you welcome my friend, Jason Burbacher. All right. I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, You have an amazing lead pastor, amazing couple running this church. They are uh, just getting to know again, re- hanging out with Kevin. Um, the thing I love about Kevin is you cannot leave a conversation with Kevin without being encouraged and without feeling the love of Jesus. And I want to tell you that for me, in my stage of life, that's what I need. And I thank the Lord for bringing us back together. I also want to let you know you're very fortunate uh, to have a pastor that loves you the way he loves, uh, that loves the community the way he does, and uh, you are blessed. You're blessed. I get to travel some, and you're blessed right here in the house to have, a, have an amazing lead pastor. If you have your Bibles, take them out. Turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I bring greetings from my wife Jessica and our four kids, uh, and from Somerville, South Carolina. We're about 40 minutes outside of Charleston, and uh, having a great time. God's doing amazing things. I'm thankful that God is the God of post-COVID and things are happening and people love Jesus and it's just a great, great season. Aren't you thankful for God that he's still on the throne? He's still in control. You guys can, you guys can be thankful. I can't see you because of the lights, so you could be thankful, but I don't know. All right. Um, I have two, uh, Two boys, they're 16, I got twins. We were, we were a family of four out the gate. They're 16 now, so I have two trying to learn how to drive. And it's awesome. It's not frustrating at all. It's very, very simple. Our, our, our very, very simple. I do this thing where... I got, do I have more time or less time in this? Or, I do this thing where I, I tell them, hey, when you take a turn, you kind of just want to hover. Have the foot over, because if you need to brake, you can brake. And so this thing that I, hover, 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 like, like, oh, Jesus, help. It's strengthened my prayer life in this season, and I covet your prayers as well. I have a 14-year-old boy right after them, uh, Ben, Sam, and Jack, and then we have a seven-year-old daughter, Ray, who runs the house, and uh, she, she's in charge, so we just do what she says. Um, I want to I uh, share with you a message entitled, Good news for the broken, one conversation. Good news for the broken, uh, one com- conversation. I, I love um, diving into the mission of Jesus. I love looking the way he loved people, and uh, I love looking at his actions and uh, how he revolutionized communities, revolutionized ways of thinking. Like, like his mission was literally and to bring freedom and liberty and good news to those who are poor and broken and hurting and anxious and heavy by the cares of this world. And and if you look, even Luke chapter 4, he announces his mission statement. 
It's, uh, it's the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to pray, proclaim good, good news. I mean, our world needs some good news. Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you have this picture. He, he reads this from the scroll in Isaiah, this prophetic scroll. And he's saying today it's fulfilled because today that's me. That's my mission. The Holy Spirit's upon me. I'm that good news for the things that make you broken. And so if you study the Gospels, and it's particularly in Luke, it's Jesus will have these encounters. And all of these encounters, he is bringing about Luke chapter 4. He's bringing about this message, this message of liberty, hope, and freedom. I keep reading around Luke chapter 9. He, he takes a turn. And he sets his sights on Jerusalem because he has to become the sacrifice. He has to become that sacrifice so he can handle our business of sin. I mean, thankfully he did that. Our past, present, and future sin is going to be taken care of. And so he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 19, he passes a city called Jericho. And he has an unusual encounter. And many of you have heard this encounter. And it's very familiar. But could you stand with me for the reading of God's word uh, this morning in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 19. And we're going to pick up with verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief, the chief tax collector, and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, small man syndrome, because he was short, he learned karate, self-defense, and uh, he was on the wrestling team. (laughs) He was short, he could not see over the crowd, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, look. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four, four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is now a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Father, today I pray as we look at your word, God, for many of us who have grown up in church, this may be a familiar story. But Lord, I pray that this word, it would produce transformation in us. It would challenge us to see you in a different light. And God, it would not just be about today, but it would affect our Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we leave here changed and different. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you see, to tell your neighbor they look good. You get the picture that uh, Jesus is walking through this town of Jericho, and I almost almost picture it like a parade. It's it's slammed with people. There's this large crowd kind kind of moving, and you have this chief tax collector that breaks out in front of the crowd, Zacchaeus. Now, he would be the chief tax collector, so he's the manager of all the lowest of lows. He's a manager of the dirtbag tax collectors. And he runs ahead. Then that culture, Jewish men, they didn't run. Um, and I like, I like to picture things a little bit. So, so he's, most li- he's short because it points that out in the Bible, which I think is interesting. And he's probably chubby because he's wealthy, because he eats. Many of the other people weren't eating because they were under Roman oppression. So I just pictured this kind of, he's, he's running ahead, waddling ahead, 
possibly getting chafed and needing gold bond. And he's, <laughs> and he's, running, he's running ahead. And he's, he climbs a tree. Like, does he, ha- does he push other children out of the tree to get... Like, a, a Jewish man wouldn't do that. He wouldn't have this childlike move, this childlike behavior. Now, a little background. The word tax collector in the Greek is the word telenens. To become a tax collector, you would literally have to buy a franchise from the Roman government, uh, like a tax booth. You would buy that. And it was very crooked. Um, there was no accountability. If the Roman government charged you 15%, you as the local tax collector, you could charge another 15. You could charge another 20. And so like, there's, there's no accountability in this. And it's kind of like two separate piles coming in. All right, this is for Rome. This is for my local franchise. This is, this is for me. It's very lucrative, but very crooked. And oftentimes these tax collectors, to buy the franchise, because you had a large sum of money. So if you're buying a Zaxby's or I hear Starbucks is coming, you're buying one of those franchise, that tax, that tax collector booth, you're buying that, you would initially have to accrue wealth, and many of them would sell off their personal land, their birthright land, the land from Abraham, the promised land, to purchase this tax booth that would then make them, make them money, extorting people, their people. Now, if you're a chief tax collector, most scholars believe that the chief tax collector's position involved the majority of the land foreclosures. So you're being taxed by the regular telelens, the local telelens. He's extorting you. Now all of a sudden you can't pay the taxes, you can't afford it. So the chief tax collector would come in and then foreclose on your property, your land, your house. Then he would buy that probably at a cheaper rate, either sell it to the Roman government or do something with it. He would take it at a cheaper value. And oftentimes he would force you to be the tenant of that land, working that field, working that land, you're on your own land, but not owning it because you've been extorted and you give that back to the chief tax collector. It's just this crooked, this crooked thing. So this, this guy, Zacchaeus, is hated, hated in the community. He's the worst of the worst. He's extorting his own people. He's oppressing his own people. In Zacchaeus' realm, everything's going great financially. I mean, he, he's loaded. He's, he's wealthy. It specifically says he's wealthy. And he hears that Jesus is passing this way. And for some reason, this short little stubby guy, he, he wants to see Jesus. So brushing off all restraints, he climbs up a tree to get a view. And so Jesus is passing that way. And it says that Jesus noticed. He looks up. He says, hurry, come down. I need to stay at your house. If you're taking notes and following along, uh, our first point is Jesus is good news because he pursues you. He pursues you. I love this encounter. I love, I love this progression. I love this pursuit. It says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. He looked up and he said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. That first phrase, I, I love that Jesus looked up. I mean, in the middle of this crowd, again, the picture, shoulder to shoulder, people everywhere, short, fat man in a tree, outcast guy. He's chased money and wealth all his life. He's no no doubt isolated from that society, that culture. Everybody hates him. He's probably living with some guilt from his oppressive nature. He's in a tree and he's distant. Now listen, he's not wanting to be noticed and Jesus notices him. He's not wanting to be noticed and Jesus notices him. This is good news. 
I don't know about you, but in my hustle and bustle, in my crazy world, I'm always looking down. I'm always busy in my day-to-day life. How many of you had, a, had an encounter with Jesus where he just noticed you right where you were and saw you right where you were and he looked up? I'm, I'm thankful that we have a Jesus who looks up and notices. With all my insecurities and all my stuff, he sees me when I'm trying to get ahead of the crowd. With all the things I've compiled in my pride in my life, he sees what I've, I've isolated myself with my own decisions and my own sin. And he still looks up and he still notices me. All my stuff. And that's good news. I love not only does he, he look up, but he, he gives Zacchaeus immediate direction. Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus, come down this connection. I, I, there's no need to hide. There's no need to stay distant. There's no need to stay in the tree. Come down. Come down. Now, just a little extra. Most scholars believe that Zacchaeus, hearing his name, this could have been the first time in a very, very long time he heard the name Zacchaeus. It was a Hebrew name, and it translates to pure one. Innocent. Now, In a Jewish culture, a culture of honor and shame culture, no one would say or call Zacchaeus pure one. No one would call him innocent one. Why? He's a cheat. He's a traitor. He steals. He oppresses his own people. No one in the town would give him the honor to call him his original Hebrew name of pure one, his given name of pure one, because he's a dirtbag. And Jesus calls him by name calls him by his potential, calls him by his original design and gives him immediate direction. I love that God's grace is immediate. How many thankful for immediate grace? That he calls me by name, he calls me by, by, by my purpose, he knows my design, he doesn't like take a moment and send me outside the camp for punishment. I don't have to wait right where I am and it's immediate. That's good, that's good news. He looks up, he gives immediate direction and I love that he gives Zacchaeus what is needed or what was missing. He says, I must stay at your house. The crazy thing is this man, again, he's ostracized by the community because of his choices. He's, he's possibly alone unless he pays for friends. He's, he's hated. He has all the money in the world, but how many know you can have all the money in the world and not have friendship and companionship and com- community? Something's missing for Zacchaeus. He's still empty. He's blinded by his pursuits of wealth. And Jesus said, hey, hey, Zacchaeus, pure one, you're alone, you're empty, I'll, I'll come to your place. It's what you need. You need life-giving relationship. You need someone to speak purpose to you. You need someone to invest in your journey. That place that you've been pursuing all of the wrong things, that house that's really isolated and has a lot of land and it's layers and layers but you're still alone. I want to go there. I want to hang out with you. I'll pursue you. I'll come to you. I'll give you the relationship that you've been missing. Let's hang out. Because you wanted to see, I've come to open blind eyes. And I'll let you see what you're actually created for. That's good news. That's good news for us. He says, I must stay at your house. I'm going to tell you today, there's no place that the Lord would rather be than hanging out with you. And if you feel far off, if you feel distant, I want you to know that Jesus wants to be close. 
He wants to be, he wants to be near. If you have a need, he, he will meet it. If you're alone, if you're broken, if you're hurting, he says, I've, I've come to you. I'm here to heal. I'm here to bring freedom. I'm here to bring liberty. I'm here to open blind eyes. I'm here to proclaim favor. I will come to you. It's always the message of Jesus. This is the message of the cross. How many are thankful for the cross? It's the message of the cross that Jesus came to us when we were missing relationship with that God-shaped void. That Philippians 2 said that God was seated on the throne of heaven, didn't seem heaven to grasp, but humbled himself to death, to death on the cross, taking on flesh and humility to serve us, to die for us, to take my sin my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin, and put it on the cross. Jesus is the message. He's the me- he comes to us. It's the great pursuit. It's good news. It's good news that he pursues you. He looks up. It's immediate, and he gives, he gives what we need, that grace and mercy. Before we move on, move on I just I maybe want to write this down. I just want to ask you this question. What puts you in a tree? Maybe another way to word it is, what, what keeps you running ahead at a distance? What are the things that you can gather and maintain, maybe in your own pride, maybe, maybe in your own rights? Maybe it's the sin and the isolation and things that you've just been accumulating that maybe even when you walked in the door this morning, you feel distant. You feel distant. What keeps you at that distance? See, one of, one of the lies, I, I grew up, anybody, anybody grow up in church? We grew up in church in the late 80s and 90s. I told this the first service. We'll start a small group with leather couches of church hurt, and we'll talk about it. Some of us, we've, we've been taught that God is the great punisher. That, um, man, we don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do. And there's, there's restrictions here. You got a certain way to behave, and you got certain things to do, and you got, and we, and if we do those things, you're getting struck with lightning. It's coming down. Anybody grew up in um, um, pick your own switch, parents? Like, I've got three, I've got three rednecks out there. We, we go up, like go in the backyard, and cut down a log, and then bring it back in so I can beat it with you, beat beat you. With the law, I will beat the bad, I will beat it out of you because I love you. <laughs> and if I spare the rod, I will spoil the child. That was the most quoted scripture in my house. And I don't want you to be spoiled. Whoosh. Get the switch. And, and sometimes we take that view and we put it on God. And it's very, it's very unhealthy. Can I just encourage you that he's not the great punisher. He's the great pursuer. And he's coming after you. And there's nothing that you can do or have done or will do that will ever stop him from pursuing. In fact, nothing you can do can separate you from his love. So you don't have to choose distance. There's a beautiful thing of surrender. You don't, you don't have to keep running ahead. If you're here this morning, he says, I just want to hang out. I want to have a life-giving relationship with you and give you, and give you a purpose. 
and that's good news. That's good news because Jesus pursues you. Number two, that's good news because Jesus includes you. Verse seven, all the stuffy church people, that's what it says actually in the scripture, saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Basically they're saying, why him and not us? Why would Jesus, would you go hang out with him and not us? But if you're in that neighborhood or a member of that community, this would infuriate you. I mean, Jesus, you're a rabbi, you're, you're a prophet, you heal people, the, the demons actually fear you. I mean, you knew his Jewish name and you never even met him. You must be a prophet. Do you know what kind of guy you're going to hang out with? He's the captain of the dirtbag. I mean, Jesus, all of us are hardworking. We're trying to raise our kids, pay our taxes, the Roman tax and the telelens. We can't afford them both. We can't even get food on the table. And he's the one. He's the one that's putting that on us. He's the one that's doing it. Why would you stay? Why would you go to his house? And Jesus says, I must stay at Zacchaeus's. I got to give him this life-giving relationship, this conversation. I got to start. I got to start his journey. Whatever happened behind closed doors, we're not really privy to. But when they came out, Jesus said, "Salvations come to this house." Now, I would like to propose to you something maybe a little bit different. But I'd like to propose to you that this conversation, that this meeting, was on purpose and intentional to give purpose to not only change Zacchaeus but to change an entire community. If you look at Luke 4, the thing that we read at the beginning, the scroll from Isaiah, the mission of Jesus. He says, I've come and I have good news for the poor. Good news for the poor. Good news for the things that make you broken. Basically, good news for the things that don't look like heaven because I'm bringing heaven to earth. Good news because I'm to restore the relationship lost in the garden. Good news for the poor. Now, what is Zacchaeus? What's the news from Zacchaeus? What did Zacchaeus say he was going to do? I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. Jesus says, I've got good news for the poor. He has one conversation with Zacchaeus, and now he gives half of his possessions to the poor. And then, and then he says, if I've ripped anybody off, I'll pay you back four times. But not only is that better than any interest rate anybody could have gotten back then, not only is it better than any working person could have probably got on a return on its own investment, and then I often think, why, why the number four? Well, if you look, that's what Moses said all the way back in Deuteronomy. It's actually covenantal law according to God's design. In Deuteronomy, it says, if you knowingly rip somebody off, you're required to pay them back fourfold. So what does this tell me? That Zacchaeus, the oppressor, the dirtbag, the cheat, the traitor, walks out of this house, walks out of this conversation with Jesus, now living under covenant as a son of Abraham. He's now following the ways of the Bible with one conversation with Jesus. Now that's good news for the whole community. And if you think, if you start thinking about this, if you're in the community, I'm now going to get back fourfold what he's been stealing from me, which again is better than what I could have done with it on my own. Now, as the community, 
we can start living under covenant. We can start living the way God designed covenantal law. Because you see in Leviticus, the job of the Jewish member of society was to care for the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner with your excess. They had no excess, right? Now they have four times. Now they have excess to fulfill the covenantal and live according to what the Bible designed. One conversation with Jesus not only changes Zacchaeus, not only fulfills his mission to, to, to good news to the poor, but now the whole community has changed because they have excess now to live under God's design in the middle of Roman oppression because of one conversation. Because we now have this excess and maybe this land that's returned to us, we can set up some stuff for those who don't have. We can, we can do some things for the orphan and the widow. We now have food on our table that we didn't have, so now we can take care of those who, don't take care of the, who can't take care of themselves. We can become welfare to the entire community and live the way the kingdom's supposed to be lived. This conversation changed the entire community. Jesus says, you're a prophet. You're, Jesus, you're a prophet. You knew what we needed. You knew what this community needed. And with one conversation... One crazy life-giving relationship, Jesus changed, changed an entire community. Zacchaeus is now living like a son of Abraham the way God designed. What does he say? Salvation has come to this house. Now the community is able, again, in the middle of Roman oppression, is able to live like sons and daughters of Abraham the way God designed it. And that's good news because verse 10 winds this whole thing up. I've come to seek and save the lost heaven. I've come to seek and save to bring the kingdom of heaven. I've come to seek and save the lost. I've had this question that I've just been wrestling with and that the Lord's laying on my heart. Jason, what if, what if you had these types of encounters? I, I, I heard the Lord say just, just to me, and, and maybe this is for you, Vortex Church, what if we looked up what if we looked up? Again, I'm guilty of looking down, my screen, my stuff. I've got my normal crowd and my normal group. And a lot of that crowd, they, they look like me, believe like me, think like me, have the same political values as I do. But what if I looked up and noticed the hurting and the broken and the outcast and the people who aren't like me and the people who are confused with sexual identity and the people confused in this world and people who don't know, all these things that are going on. What if I looked up and saw that they were actually hurt and broken and needed a conversation and needed a relationship? Here's the hard one. Jason, what if you, what if you took action immediately? This one's convicting because I'm a procrastinator. Anybody procrastinators? All right, we got a procrastination group and we got an 80s church hurt group. We've got some new ideas for September. <laughs> what if you didn't wait? Netflix will be there tomorrow. What if you didn't binge on the show? What if you, what if you didn't wait? What if you had the conversation? What if you tore down some preconceived notion about Trump people or about Biden people? What if, you, what if you took down those stereotypes? What if you had conversations with that coworker? What if you had conversations with that family member that hurt you and left you jaded and broken? What if, what if, you, what if you did it immediately? Crossed all cultural barriers and walls. What if that conversation was actually gave them what they needed and wasn't about me? 
Sometimes the conversation that they need is not for me to tell them what they need to do right, right off the rip. Sometimes the conversation of what they need is not to give them the list of do's and don'ts and values and rule books and my soapbox and my political stuff. Sometimes what they need is a conversation just to hang out on their turf, committing to love, committing to journey with them. And then this one, what if, what if Jason, you really believe that you had what people need? That we have the good news. How many of you have been changed by the love of Jesus? Okay, only seven. So we need to, how many have been changed by, if you've been changed by the love of Jesus, you're a very, you carry the presence of Jesus wherever you go. And it's good news. I'm guilty of giving them Fox News and not good news. It's good news. Jesus is still, do we believe he's still good news? He's the alpha, the omega. He's still on the throne. He's the author, the perfecter for today. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is here. It's good. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news. And we have an opportunity to share it. What if we believe that we could be messengers of good news, life-giving news that could change a community? that could change your county, Stanley County, that could flow over into Norwood and Monroe and this, am I getting those right? Okay. So you have Vortex. The mission of your pastor is always to be a church that creates and gives opportunity for life-giving relationships. That your life-giving relationship changes another, starts another life-giving relationship and conversations take place on purpose conversations with broken people that loves broken people that commits to journey to hang out to have relationship and I think as you do this you can watch what God will do it will change a community and see here's the thing when you commit to this you will find people who are hurting and it's messy Hurting, it's, it's messy. Hurting and broken and distant and lost and abused and they look different and they act different and sometimes you get in a conversation with them and you don't know whether to cry or laugh and you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. They're cussing and saying things and I'm uncomfortable and I don't... And maybe that's the problem. A couple chapters earlier, Jesus is reclining at the table at Levi's house, completely comfortable with a party of tax collectors. You're able to have conversation. You're able to sit at their house on their turf and give them good news, life-giving news, and start the journey, the hope of salvation as you share your story. And what happens is those people who were broken now discover their purpose. And those same people, those same hurt and broken, distant people are now, they start the process of being made whole. And you're on a journey with them and you're loving with them. And they and you are starting to receive your design and your purpose and how you fit in this kingdom, this community. And now the crazy thing is you find people with giftings. Giftings that were going in a direction and with a conversation and love and care and journeying start to lead into kingdom purpose. Isn't that what happened with that Zacchaeus? He was really, really shrewd and sharp with money. And what happened? One conversation, he gives it away and becomes the backer of the local church. 
the community changed. You'll find, you'll find people with passion and you'll find people with heart desires and those are going in one direction and you can show them that what they were created for and their original name and their original design and now they're going in another direction directed under the kingdom. You'll find people with influence that's different than yours and God starts to work through conversation and this good news gets out that there is a king and his name is Jesus and he's the God of love and he's the God of grace, and he's the God of restoration, and this good news and life-giving relationship start, and it goes out. And as you have these conversations, it can literally change the direction of their life and their city. Because I've been pursued, I've been given a purpose, and I'm now finding my inclusion in his design. One conversation changes people. It was good news for Zacchaeus. It was good news for the community. I'm thankful it's good news for us. I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, liberty and freedom to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's the thing I want you to get. Jesus' mission becomes my mission. Jesus' mission becomes my mission. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost and broken. And this is just extra. Jesus had the pattern. When it didn't line up with heaven, he confronted it. What does heaven look like? We get little glimpses in Revelation. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, right? No more tears. How many think, how many can't wait for heaven? I can't wait for heaven. There'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. So here's the thing. I move towards pain. Because where there's pain, I bring heaven to pain. I bring Jesus to pain. How many know Jesus is the answer for pain? Where there's sickness, I move towards sickness. I'm not just talking about physical sickness. I'm talking about mental stuff. And I move, I move towards sickness because Jesus I bring heaven, that's, that's the process of bringing heaven, heaven to earth. And Jesus' message of mission of Luke chapter four becomes my mission. Two things in conclusion. It's really quick. Maybe today you find yourself identifying with Zacchaeus. Maybe you'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm running ahead. I feel distant. I've been doing things from a distance. And I don't know if maybe it's your mistakes or Maybe it's your past, or maybe it's the pride and what you're trying to accumulate. Maybe it's even fear and anxiety or depression, but it, there's a thing, there's a thing, and it keeps you, keeps you at a distance, it keeps you in a tree. And here's my concern. This is what we've walked through our church with. If you choose to stay at distance, if you choose to stay in the tree with that stuff, holding on to that stuff, never letting it go, never, letting, never surrendering it, you miss out on the kingdom purpose of what God's designed you for. He's designed you for connection, for journeying with other people. He's designed you that actually all that stuff that you deal with, the addictions, the struggles, the sin, the pride, the anger, the greed, he's, all that stuff that you, when you die to that, there's other people who actually need to hear your story of overcoming, redemption story of overcoming the pride, the anger, the lust, the greed, the pornography, overcoming it. And so when, when we isolate, the people miss out on, on hearing that. They need to hear the story of the redemption through your life. 
who you are and how you met a man named Jesus, how he looked up and how he saw you and how you surrendered your stuff and how it changed you. People, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our story, the word of our testimony. You come out of the tree and he changes you. But if you stay there, if you stay there with the walls holding on to your stuff, you, you miss it. You see, Jesus is pursuing you despite all that stuff. He's pursuing you. He wants to call you by your original name. He, he wired you. He purposed you. He gifted you for such a time to work in kingdom. It'll change how you get up in the morning. It'll take the monotony away and the apathy away because you wake up on mission to share your story with others who need it. So we're going to pray. Um, and then I got one more thing. And then we're going we're to pray. But I, I do this with our church. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do this. The universal sign of surrender is just hands up, kind of out. And as I pray, and I love it because it's saying, God, I let go of my control. I make you Lord. I let go of my control. I let go of the things. I let go of the hurt, the anger, the bitterness, the grief. I let go. And God, I ask you to fill it. Fill it with your grace and your love and your mercy. So symbolically, as I pray, I want you to do that. And you know the thing. If the thing's there. And just say, God, I confess. I let go. And then I receive your grace. I receive who you are. I receive your salvation. I receive your mercy. I receive your purpose. I receive your death. I receive your healing. I receive it. So right now, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Father, today I thank you. Come on. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you're here. And so God, as a sign of surrender, we let go. We let go of our death grip on control. We let go of the hurt and the pain and the stuff. God, we surrender to you. And God, I thank you that your grace is here. I pray that you'd be the lifter of our head today. I pray that we would see you high and exalted. God, that we would see you as the Alpha and the Omega and the author and the perfecter and the grace that you give us. And God, we receive that today. We love you, Jesus. And just one more thing before, before I turn over to Kevin. At Vortex, it's amazing because they believe in empowering you to have conversations. And I know maybe if you're new coming in here, it may be a little awkward and you're trying to meet people and kind of whatever, but but we believe that God's purpose happens in the context of community and in conversations and relationship. And there are three really cool avenues here that if you're not involved, you're missing it. And so they've got serve teams. So you saw people working in the kids. You saw people singing. There's people in the booth. Aren't you thankful that I have a seven-year-old that she doesn't have to sit next to me, that she can be over there and I can actually listen. Like, like yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's kids' teams and, and way to serve. And what happens is when you serve on one of those kids' teams, you get involved with conversation. You get involved with people, with like-minded and ministry and doing that. So, so get on a serve team. And they, they got ways to, do, um, to assimilate you and, and teach you how to do all that. So get involved in that. And he didn't pay me to say this. But, but number two, small groups are coming up just around the corner. And small groups are a chance for you to get in a huddle and get in a circle and get around with people who will sharpen you, who will have conversation, who will, who will relate with you. And you'll get, you'll get to connect. And sometimes it's a little awkward. And I don't know. I don't know I'm not like Kevin. I'm not a big feelings guy. He like tells me he loves me 50 times. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And like, like I'm not that guy. But you get around people like Kevin who will encourage you and lift you up and share things with you. And you get in groups and you get people and you can share your hurt. And they walk and community happens and conversation happens. And then lastly, your, your outreach and your connection teams. And it's a chance to just, just go on serve day and to love people in the community. And what, what do you think happens? Conversation, conversations conversations that invite people, that change people, that change their course. So I want to, I want to charge you with that. 
this church creates avenues for you to have conversations so your life will be free because you were made to live in community. Father, today, one more time, I pray. God, I pray as, as we've heard this word, God, it would soak deep into our hearts and our lives. God, it would do a work in us. God, I thank you for the charge that, that you are the great pursuer, that you include us and you create this body of believers. God, with design and purpose and destiny. God, we're believing for this area of North, for Stanley County. We're believing that you're gonna do it. We're believing for revival. We're believing for hope. We're believing for freedom. We're believing for favor in this county. And so God, I thank you that we're the very carriers of your presence. So we go encouraged by your love. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.